0: Today we're going to look at a um, passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I, I don't want to in any way make light or move out of this um, visitation too quickly. Um, I, I really want to reiterate the we asked God for the good and perfect gift. And I think he he's giving it, but he just really did give it here. And it, it's for, for what M M said, but it's also for all of you. And I I don't want you to to miss out on that point of covenant with God that that he's arranging in your life right now. So, touch touch the hem of the Father's garment. You say, where's that scripture? Well, Isaiah chapter 6, his train filled the temple. God Almighty, his train, the hem of his garment filled that temple. That's the same word, Kanaf, and um, reach out and and touch him in your own heart and life, and remember that you've done it, and walk in that touch today. There are doors that are being opened, doors of the of the next, the new horizon and grace that God is leading us all into, and um, I I just don't want to. I don't want to leave this moment without reiterating that to you. I, I do feel the, the resounding presence of the Lord in a unique way, but it's for the purpose of of releasing a measure of of invitation and a measure of assurance to all of you. Uh, you know, again, we're going to get in First Peter. So if you've not turned there, First Peter one, but. You know the woman that was talking up here, and you you know over the years the incredible miracles that God has worked in her life and in her family. And there have been one thing after another that over the past 20 years, as as pastor and, and all of us together, we would think, man, how is she surviving? How, how, is, how is that... You know, not being critical, it's just you're you're walking together, and you say, "Lord, help." But one by one, we've not only seen God provide, but God has built phenomenal blessings that are above and beyond anything that that we could have asked or thought. Seems like there's a scripture that says something like that, and God is no respecter of persons. His spirit is here for you so reach out and believe and it's it's not by might or by power it's through his spirit and his spirit is with you so let that happen how's it going to happen I don't know I don't know how God did the things he did in her and there's more that he wants to do for her and um, but the miracle of the Lord is yours so on this Father's Day, receive that good and perfect gift, and I thank you, Father, for giving that. Now, Peter, in First uh, <clears throat> Peter chapter 1, we read these scriptures, verse 17. If you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Over the past couple of weeks, I've been on somewhat of a mission uh, from the Lord, and I've been, as I've said on a couple of occasions, reading voraciously um, books from a scholastic perspective that are very illuminating. Concerning what is uh, really the enemy's strategy in these days, to try to destroy the church and to destroy the things that the church has believed in, and um, my task in continuing to to read just two more books that I th- and I think that's it. There've been eight of them that I've read in the last couple of weeks. Um, my task is to integrate them into the warnings and the teachings that God is already giving concerning what's, what our gathering is in September called the Feast. And I, I do believe that this is, a, this is an amazing moment for us as saints, but uh, through reading these materials, I'm, I'm just privileged to be able to almost sit in the council of the enemy to see how they are laying out the strategies that are then guiding the progressive church, the woke church, and a lot of other types of things that would say that what you and I have believed and what God has given us in His Word is just not true. That being said, one of the things that I've read a number of times is the fact—well, not the fact—the belief that Peter and a number of the other uh, apostles were really not good people and some of the some of the things that that are being believed uh, is is from not only a, a, a Gnostic point of view from the nag uh, hamadi nag uh, hamadi discoveries that were made of all of those False books, um, but also from just basically the orneriness of those who are not walking in God, and so they say a lot of things about Peter. They call him a um, all the all the catchwords. He is a misogynist. He is he is a uh, he's he's really a hardcore hater. And they've got all kinds of things that they say that Peter was, and none of them are true. None of them are true. And when I read the writings of Peter, I remember how much the Lord loved him, and how much time Jesus spent with him, and the incredible... Uh, responsibilities that Jesus prophesied over Peter that Peter would need to fulfill for the church and so I was reading through these brief epistles of Peter just as a just as a point of um, just as a point of just enjoying the word did you ever just do that? I spend so much time, as you do, studying the Word, and I spend so much time preparing for teachings and preparing for different responsibilities that we have as a body of saints that I have to remind myself I love the Word, but I I should just also read it just just to enjoy it. And so I was reading these epistles, and as I did... This verse, verse 17, stood out, and as I was preparing for what I was supposed to say today, um, I was looking at a lot of things that I thought, boy, I have an interest in that, like being redeemed to God the Father. That, that is really a, a wonderful study, but it's not what we're supposed to be talking about today. But this verse kept coming, and it really is in three parts. The other verses that we read speak about what God the Father, the price he paid so that we can do what verse 17 says and how that he gave the most precious thing that he had, more precious than any of us realize because it was his only begotten son, but it was also that dimension of who he is that most closely aligns with what we are. And God gave that. In so many ways, God gave. You know, the most precious thing to God is His plan for you. That's the, that's the astounding thing. I, I, I still am amazed. That, that privilege of being your Father is the most precious thing to Him. And the reason I say that is that he was willing to give his son to assure that. Do you know? That's an amazing thing. And and so we read verses 18 through 21, and we see, you know, you were redeemed with uh, the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot who God foreordained before the foundation of the world, um, and, and that we could believe in him and be raised up with him and to move in the glory of God, to move in faith and move in hope. And that that is a privilege. What a privilege. But Peter prefaces this by saying these three things in verse 17. And I want to make them as clear as we possibly can, because if you just read them on the surface in the King James or whatever you're reading in your language, whether it's English or Portuguese or French, um, you, you see it says a certain thing, but I want to make sure that beyond your translated language that we understand what's actually being said. If you call on the Father, what an amazing statement. And when you study what it means to call there, you find a number of things, but the most prominent one that you find in the study of, of lexicons is that the calling <clears throat> is like an invitation. It's, it's like, it's, it's, it's at heart an invitation to invite someone in to fellowship with you. And we kind of extrapolate off of that that the calling is, is, is the invitation itself. God, come! But it's the heart of what that calling is that is the meat of the word. It's, it's the desire to have a fellowship. It's the desire to have God the Father come and dwell with you and to be with you and to know you, and that you would know him. It really is a uh, more than just an invitation. It's a strong desire to commune with the Father. And so Peter says, if you call on the Father, if, that's one of the biggest words in the Bible, but thank God we have been privileged to bypass the if and welcome him. Call on the father. Two things need to happen. The first is know that God is without respect of persons and that he judges every man's work. Now let's just look at what that means. He doesn't prefer one person over another. Each one of you has a unique place in him. And when he meets with you, it's going to be precious to him and he he will he will come and he will judge this is Crino. he's going to look carefully at what it is that you're dealing with, what it is that he wants from you. he's going to take it very carefully and spend time with you to give ear to what's going on and to, and to uh, invest himself, even though he already knows this, but we're talking from the concept of spending time with you, to point by point look at every one of the things that you're dealing with on behalf of the, uh, the work that's been given to you. Now, it's translated as every man's work, but it's, it's gender neutral there and it it means every, every person. So Peter says, if you are going to invite the Father to come and spend time with you, when God comes, he is going to look at each one of you individually because he knows you. From the foundation of the world, he created you, and he's going to come and he's going to feel the things that you feel. He's going to meticulously go through the things that are important, most important, and he's going to know every factor and every detail of the work that's been assigned to you. I think that's precious, don't you? I think that's a wonderful thing. And one of the things that I've learned about the Father is when you do spend time with the Father, we might think that he's going to spend an awful lot of time talking about a certain thing, but he's really often not seemingly concerned about that thing, and he touches on something that's most important. You've got to be willing to let him do that, because sometimes we get the first part right, we call the Father, and then all we do is keep wanting to talk about a thing that's not even on his radar. And why is it? Because our assessment's wrong, and he's really wanting to create a different thing, but we're so focused on this other thing that we can't hear a thing he's saying. You ever been around somebody that way? Sometimes a little kid will come, and they're all wired up and crying about this or that, and and you're thinking, you know, honey, you just need to let that go, because we're going to do this right now, and this is so much better. Not that that would happen in Fabian's daughters, but um, that we often have a tendency to do, and God is the crino. It's kind of like, you know, they use this word to, to talk about when you hear prophecy and you judge prophecy. This judgment is not some, well, Debbie, I'll let me tell you a few things about you. You know, it's it's not that. It's that meticulously, point by point, things are put aside, and you look at each one of them to determine Okay, for this time frame, for this moment, what's the most important? All of these are important, but what is the sequence? This is what God does. He's a good father. He counsels, and because it's his work, after all. It's not our work. See, when you read this, every man's work, you'd think, well, i got a work to do. God bless it. That's the theme of every church. You know, not this church. But I remember growing up in church. Choose what you're going to do, and then ask God to bless it. Ask him to direct you, but you know, you you choose. That is so backward. I mean, it really is so backward. I'm so glad I didn't do what I chose to do. I I finally just, and it wasn't a hard thing. I felt, God, you're saying for me to do this. There were other options, but you said go and go to this school that nobody's ever heard of and you study there or or whatever it is you're going to do there to be prepared. Of course, you know, we don't do any studying over at CBC, but you know, whatever it is you're going to do there and, and I'll prepare you, but eventually it was to be here. So it's not my work, it's his work and he has a work for all of you, but it's from the foundation of the world and he wants to judge that. He wants to specifically talk about each one of the things. So the first two things that Peter says is, if, are you willing to do this? If, it begins with that. It's an interrogative. Call on the Father. Welcome Him. Welcome Him. Often often we focus on the call itself instead of the objective of the call. And the point is, is that God wants to meet with you as your Father. And Peter chooses that term very carefully your father. And when he comes, he's going to look at you. He's going to look at the tasks that he created you to fulfill and the moment. And he's going to look at the time frame and he's going to point by point look at them. And I think, again, one of the key things we have to do in the middle of that is just trust him and listen a little bit and enjoy his presence. Is your? Did you ever do that too? I mean. This is, not a, this is not a lesson on how to have fellowship, but so often, uh, you know, I remember going to visit a family number of years ago. They were an older couple, and they were so happy that I was there, but one minute after I got there, it was just incessant talking. I mean... The man would start talking and then the woman would overtalk him and then he would talk again and then she'd start talking again and he'd roll his eyes and look over to me and said, now you see what I have to put up with. And then he'd take off and they'd just talk and talk and talk and I'm thinking, you don't even need me here. <laughs> if I left right, if you closed your eyes and I left, this con- conversation would go on for another 15 minutes without you even taking a breath. And a lot of times we're that way with God. We invite him, we're happy that he's there, but we don't realize that the reason he's come is for these things. He wants to be your father. He wants to spend time with you. He doesn't need you to point out all the factors. He's the one that's judging. He is the one that's pinpointing the things. You don't have to lay them all out there. He gave them to you to begin with. He knows which ones are his and which ones he doesn't know where you got them. Well, he does know, but he wonders why you have them. And But he's pointing them out. Let him do that. Let him do that because it's your work, but it's his work. And that's that's a big, big point to understand. Now, the third thing which you thought I wonder if he'll ever get to it, can also be misinterpreted. Pass the time of your sojourning in fear. I I appreciate why it's translated this way, but it totally misses the mark. And not only does it totally miss the mark, but it creates uh, a framework that is not at all intended by what Peter was saying. And what do I mean by that? You know, the word phobos, which is what fear is translated in as, it does mean, again, it's one of those cart before the horse kind of translations. Like people would have a a phobos of spiders, or people would have a phobos of any number of things. And so often we think that's the meaning of the word, to be scared about something. But do you know that... The meaning of the word really means to run fast. And I've looked this up in very detailed measure, so I'm not just barking up a tree. I heard some wild prophets say this, so it's got to be true. And the reason then that Phobos became focused on things that people were petrified by is that when they'd see those things, they would run real fast. And it's so often we describe the moment rather than the factors of the moment. And that's what's happened to Phobos, run real fast. So if you think of that, you pass the time of your sojourn here in fear, what it's really saying is, Number one, you've welcomed the Father in to meet with you. Number two, he's talking to you about that unique task, point by point, of things that you're going to do alongside him. And then, all right, you better get about your business. You're only here for a short time. You're sojourning through here. So pass this time running. Get it done. Don't dilly-dally. Don't mosey around. I do not understand this mosey. That's probably some derivation of a French word. But, you know, don't lollygag. I'm gonna use I'm glad Luke's not translating me today because he wouldn't know what in the world I'm saying, but us down home folks, we do. It's time to get with it. And if, if you're with the Father, you're communing with Him, He's giving you a task. I'm not saying to get ahead of God. But we can, you know, we can run to the task. We run the race that is set before us. And it seems I've read that somewhere else. And it's not that you get ahead of God or you jump the gun, but you can always be whatever I fi- my hand finds to do. I do it with all my might. And, you know, I had a, a dream, a very prolific dream a couple of weeks ago. Now I sound like Brother Burke. I have a dream. I had a dream. I want teach you about it. Uh, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that gift because God does give dreams. But I had a dream a couple of weeks ago, and sparing all the details of it, I, I knew that it had to do with the time that we're living in and really the gravity of the moment, the darkness of the world, and the fact that we are really living in the end days. And part of the dream was that I was making my way to the airport but I was running and I was running so fast that at, at certain times I was more like flying and when I woke up, that's how I woke up and I knew I've got I've to get work done because I can see signs in the heavens and they're very alarming and there's darkness all around and I've got to, I've got to get this done. And when I woke up, I recognized uh, it's, it's time to, to really get not only serious about what God's giving us to do, but, but to recognize the moment that he's opening and to do it with everything we are and, and to really invest ourselves because the night comes when no man can work. I just think it's interesting that Peter uses this term because you think about it. If it was just translated as fear, well, why would anybody want to welcome the father to come and spend any time with you and have him go point by point through the things that you're supposed to be doing if, if the end result is you just to be petrified? Who wants that? I mean I would be I don't know as the old evangelist would say I don't know about you but I wouldn't that that if would come into a real point of application for me I'd think do I really want to do this do I want to come into a fear fest do I want to come into a time where I'm just cringing before an angry god is that is that the kind of commune that God sent his son without blemish as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, is is that what Jesus came to provide for? Now I'm not saying that you should be lackadaisical with God. We should have a strong sense of awe and we should respect the fact that we have a work to do and He is the Almighty. But there's a difference between that and cringing, which is what the world thinks we, uh, maniacal evangelicals think, that, that we just live under the daunting view of, a, of an angry God. Well, my God is a loving Father, and it's my privilege to partner with Him. And He's given us a task that is the task that mankind has. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work i'm going to pass my time of sojourning doing it as quickly and as effectively and as urgency urgently as i possibly can that's what peter is saying here and i think that's a very interesting thing because and i'm going to close with this peter was a unique individual. He was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was strong, he was bold, he was bombastic at times. And for somebody who is like that, and I would say the same thing about John, the beloved. John was not a a sissy. John was a zealot. And for both of them to come into a position of loving God to where for Peter to talk about being under the father in this way. Now we don't know a lot about Peter's earthly father. We know that he obviously managed the shipping, uh, the the fishing enterprise. Um, We don't know a whole lot about him, but I doubt Peter had a real tender relationship with him. I don't know. I might be wrong, but Here, Peter, this strong man, is talking about the Father in this way. And I think that all of us, regardless of of who we are and regardless of what what our upbringing has been, um, however we related, you know, Monica was talking about her father. I had my own scenarios with my father. I know a number of you had unique, wonderful fathers, but... um, Every one of them had a different relationship than other fathers. The point for us is that somehow we've got to go into our heavenly father and recognize that he is the best. He's, he's got good points that can be seen in so many good points that are manifested on earth, but our father, there's nothing like our father in heaven. And he loves you. And he created you. It's not just that he's blessing you. He is invested in you. He saw you from the foundation of the world, before it even. And he loved you. And he gave his son, his only begotten son, so that you might come and know him and serve him. And so for Peter to recognize all of that and to say, Invite the Father. Fellowship with Him. Do whatever you can to make sure He knows He's welcome with you and spend time with Him. And then be willing to listen as He speaks about the work He's given you, as He meticulously prioritizes and and advises and counsels on these things. And after you've done that, recognize that you've got a designated time frame to do this and time goes fast. Wow. How quickly has 50 years, well I won't ask Dennis, uh, how 50, how quickly has 50 years gone by? You know, I, how, how many years have we been at this? Um, I, I, I remember, I'm just looking around the room, I said I was, Fran, I said I was going to end I don't know why I'm still going. But, um, you know, I I look up and I see Elizabeth up there. I remember when she was just a little thing up here. I remember before the twins were born. I remember when my girls were just little. I remember having them dedicated up here. Life goes quickly. And our sojourn has been appointed by the same Father who's meeting with us and who cares deeply about how we're working with him. And so we need to recognize that we need to work now. And we need to, don't, don't just straggle along. Do it, do it with all your might. Now you could say, okay, that fear angle, yes, it does mean to run, but you don't want to miss what you're supposed to be doing because you're going to be judged as to whether you do it. Well, that's true too. But I, I don't know. God is, God is God. He demands. And He has things that He's going to do regardless of whether you like it or not. And I understand that almightiness that is our God but i'm not afraid of that the only you know the only thing that i'm really afraid of and from from this standpoint i'm not cringing is that i will come to the end of this life and recognize that there were things that i was supposed to do that i did not do that's the only thing and that's more me i i don't think i don't in one for one second, think that as we've served the Father, you know, in love for Him, that He's going to reprimand me. I think the only reprimand is going to be what I might feel when I say, God, I did this, I was able to do this, you were able to do this. This, this is a wonderful thing, and we're going to rejoice in that. But if God gives me the opportunity to see, yeah, but you could have done this, you could have done this, and somebody else had to come and do this, I don't know how much the Father's going to let us know that. But I do think, me being me, I'm going to be aware of that. Now, the joys of heaven are going to be superlative. There's not going to be a weeping room, there's no tears there. God wipes them all away. And um, But I want to pass the the time of my sojourn here where I'm aware of the fact that there's a task to be done. I don't want to fail God, so I'm going to get after it. Do you feel that way about your own life? We should. Um, And God's given us a wonderful open field ahead of us in grace. We talked about that, the visitation of the good and perfect gift this morning already. And that anointing is here. But let that anointing permeate this word, this very brief verse. Your Father loves you. Welcome Him to commune with you. Know that He's given you a task. He's meticulously aware of every point of it. Let Him counsel. Let Him direct. Let Him assuage fear. Let Him be what what it is that He needs to be for you to accomplish that task and then recognize the urgency of the hour and get after it. That's really what Peter says. And so that's our Father's message today. And I speak blessing over all of you. And I look forward to walking together with Him, with you, in the days that are ahead. These are going to be great days. They already are. And um, I, Father, thank you, for the privilege of being able to serve you. And I thank you for the privilege of being able to serve you with these precious people. And I ask you, Father, as their pastor, and from whatever measure of apostolic calling you've given me, I ask you that you would meet with every one of them in the days to come in a profound way. This is what you want to do. This isn't an anomaly. This is what you want to do. So I ask you for that, and I pray that you will inspire them and encourage them, and that you will give them a double portion of the anointing, so that as they run, they will run and not be weary. And as they run, they will be like Elijah as he outran the chariot, and that we will be able to accomplish more under your anointing in the days to come than we could have if we were just doing it in our strength through a lifetime. I speak that blessing over every one of these dear ones, and we thank you on this Father's Day to be able to serve you in this way, and we ask all of this through the one who made it possible, our Lord Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Well, happy Father's Day. God bless you all, and we will look forward to uh, speaking to you through the uh, website over this week, but. Don't forget this coming Saturday, 3.30, for the Stewart's, Stewart's celebration. you have any questions for them, ask them. Now they're here. God bless. Happy Father's Day. Goodbye.